So we're going to we're going to get into our word for today. Uh, we're still coming along the line of pray like a child, because if you pray like a child, you will live like a child. You will walk like a child. If you don't if you approach the father as a slave, he can only respond as a slave because he only speaks according to truth. So you have to pray like a child. And this is a practice. Okay, this is a practice. Y'all hear me? This is a this is something you have to practice. This is not something you do one time and or you try and say, well, it didn't work. This is something you have to continually practice. This Jesus was authentically doing these things. When he taught us how to pray, when he taught his disciples how to pray, it was to the Father. It was not to the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell us to pray to him. He said, pray to the Father. Because prayer is supposed to be conducted in that relationship. Okay? So, on today, the title of our teaching is going to be The True Worshippers. The True Worshippers. I have any true worshipers out there? The true worshipers. In order to be, a, as Chris said, in order to be a true worshiper, you have to worship in spirit and you have to worship in truth. Now, I'm going to give you the information, but to worship in spirit means you have to understand that you are one with him. You cannot worship him if you do not understand that you are like him. These are the instructions of Jesus. Worship in spirit, meaning you can only worship him when you see I have his DNA. Because the purpose of worship is to become like the one that you worship. They worship in Lil Wayne. You see them? <laughs> you can tell. You can tell who they worshiping. You can tell. Amen. So you have to worship in spirit, but also you have to worship in truth, which means you have to understand the plan from the foundation of the world that the father had for our life. If you won't worship in, you could try to worship in spirit, but if you don't do it with truth, you will fall right back into legalism. You'll fall right back under the law. And the purpose of worship is to change us. It's to change us. There is no change without worship. Now, we talked about these scriptures before, but I taught them when I taught the message or the teaching. Uh, humility leads to worship because you cannot worship the father unless you want him to empty you out and fill you up. You cannot worship the father until you come to grips. I don't want to be myself. I want to be who you call me to be, who you predestined to be, who you purpose me to be. Amen. So all of our teachings today will be coming from John chapter four, and we're going to do verses four through twenty four. And it reads, so I'm going to do a lot of reading and then most of our meat is on the back end. Get in and out. And it reads, so he being Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. 
So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They were prejudiced. They thought they were better than them. According to scripture at the time, they were. <laughs> a woman, a Gentile woman came and asked Jesus to heal her daughter. He said it is not good to give the children's breads to the dogs. Call them dogs, unbelievers. This is why Jesus had to send his disciples away just to have a conversation with her. Because you know how, you know how folks are, particularly church folks. When they don't like you, they body language tell. <laughs> Jesus would have been sitting there talking to that woman. They'd been like, why are you talking to her? And, and the whole conversation is totally thrown off because they in the flesh and he in the spirit. So sometimes he had to just send them away. Go get some food. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, which he was talking about himself, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? So he's thinking in the spirit. She's thinking in the flesh. He's like, I got some water for you. Well, why you ask me for a drink? That's what I would ask him. <laughs> if you got water, then why you asking me for something? Verse 12. She said, you are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. Now, you know her mind blown at this point. You know, she found him in all type of this brother, a heretic, this brother crazy. Ain't no way in the world you got some water that you drink at one time and you never thirst again. We need to bottle that up. Call it divine generation water. But the water... But whosoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I would not thirst nor come all the way to this well to draw here. Now, what's crazy is she wants the water. But the reason why she wants the water is because she says she does not want to, one, thirst again. Two, she's tired of coming all the way to the well and having to draw this water and take it all the way back. But here's the test. He said to her, because she said she wanted the water, right? Amen. He said to her, Go. Call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you, you have correctly said, I have no husband. 
For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have, you now have, is not your husband. This you have said truly. Now, typically when people hear about this woman, uh, they want to condemn her. Okay, but me, I want, I don't want to condemn her, but what I want you to do is see is that she was trying. She didn't have five men. She had five husbands. So she was trying to do it right. That's why he told her. He was speaking to her in the spirit. She was speaking carnally. He told her the water I'm going to give you, you're going to never thirst again. He wasn't talking about water. He was talking about the things that her soul was thirsting for. Her soul was thirsting for intimacy. Her soul was thirsting for affection. And when he met her at the well, this collision happened. And when he told her that she would never have to thirst again, that did something to her. But he said, okay, in order for you to really get what I want you to see, I have to first ask you this question. Go get your husband. Because <laughs> I want you to see why you need worship. He's been introduced to worship. But first he gets, he needs to her to see why. The why. Why do we need to worship? Because like I told you, we need to worship because we need to change. And the change is not Chris conformed to me. It's not conformity to the, to the pastor. It ain't even conformity to the ministry. Everything we teach from this pulpit is about you conforming to the father. It's about you conforming to the image of his son. But in order for you to conform, you have to first see what's wrong. You have to first see what's, you have to find a need to worship. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Why? Because he didn't read her whole email. Now, what's strange is he comes to the well, sits down. The woman approaches him. They go from talking about him asking her for water to him telling her he can give her water to her asking for the water to him then pointing out her situation. (laughs) Jesus was slick. He was slick. Okay. And this is what I tell you about daily bread. He heard his father say, sit there by that well. <laughs> now, he's, it says it was the sixth hour, but it don't tell us how long he sat there. I told you, when, you, when Jesus got up in the morning, he didn't have an agenda. I'm going to sit at the well, and this woman from Samaria going to come. We're going to talk about water. This is a part of being led by the Spirit. That's why I gave my whole rant to y'all the other day about you know, just showing up to church on time. Okay? Because if we're going to be led by the Spirit, it's going to start in the small things. He's not going to send you to Africa to minister to millions of people and you can't even show up. You can't even meet me in a secret place. But you want an assignment? It's not going to happen. 
And that's what worship is for. Worship is for the secret place. So watch how this conversation shifts. Verse 20. She said, our fathers worshiped in the mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem, it is the place where men are to worship. Well, hold on. Jesus didn't say nothing about worship. Nothing in this conversation spoke worship. Not him at the well asking her for some water. Not him telling her he had living water. Because you have to see, she brought up worship. He didn't. But she knew that there was a change that needed to happen. So verse 19, she said, the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Verse 20, she said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you people say, that's crazy, (laughs) that in Jerusalem, it is the place where men, that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, he had a way of saying some stuff to women, didn't he? He said that to his mother. Woman, why are you telling me? It ain't my time. He said, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. Now, she was talking about where her father worshiped. Nobody in the Old Testament ever had the privilege of worshiping God as a father. They all worshiped him as a slave. God was their master. They called God the God of my, the, the God of my father. It wasn't even personal. She said our fathers worship. She didn't say I worship. She said our fathers worship in the mountain. And you people say that we had to come all the way to Jerusalem. Jesus said a time is coming. Now, what time is it? 102. He said, a time is coming, which means the time had not arrived. A time is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. So he says a time is coming, meaning it had not arrived yet. A time is coming. Two o'clock is on its way. It's not here yet. So it's not time for this worship that he's talking about to happen because he says the hour is coming when you won't have to go to the mountains nor will you have to go to Jerusalem to worship the Father. So what's funny is he's introducing worship for the first time. He's introducing New Testament worship. Up until this point, nobody in the Old Testament or the New Testament have done worship right. This is according to Jesus. Nobody in the Old Testament or the New Testament was doing it wrong, was doing it right, correctly. Only him. And that's what we have to even understand about Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was not dealing with sons of God. His ministry, he was not talking to children of God. That's why I tell you, our ministry is different from Jesus' ministry. We want Jesus ministry, but the thing you have to understand was he was the sacrifice. He had to die so that we can become children. So none of these conversations is with sons of God. He was the only son of God on the planet at this time. 
So he wasn't. He, that's why he said greater works you're going to do because I go to my father. Greater works you're going to do because I go to my father. What is the greater works? We get to we get to legitimately turn people into gods. We have the task of turning people into sons of God. And that is greater than any miracle. I'm going to say that again. We have the task of turning people into sons of God. We have the task of introducing the ministry of reconciliation to people who are human, inviting people into a family where they can lose humanity and, and step into Godship. And that is a greater ministry, according to Jesus. Verse 22, Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Now, I want to show you these three pictures of worship. Do I have a slide for that? First, you have the ignorant worship. The ignorant worship. Jesus says you worship what you do not know. Ignorant worship. Then you have the traditional intellectual worship in which they knew God, but they did not know God as a father. So they were worshiping him intellectually by knowing him. And this is the worship that the church took. They took the worship where we will come in here and we will lift our hands and we will just tell God how great he was, how great he is. We stole worship from David. We took our worship from Moses. We got our worship from Elijah. But according to Jesus, it wasn't true worship. It wasn't true worship because nobody in the Old Testament had the privilege of calling God their father. Which means God looked at no one in the Old Testament as being his son, as being his daughter, as being his child. He was not invested in them. The Holy Spirit came upon them but could not change them because there was no nature in them to change them. We talked about the two families. You have the family of Adam and then you have the family of Christ. When you get into the family of Christ, that's a nature change. And your your soul can only respond to your nature. That's why before you were in sin, before you came to Christ and you were in sin... It didn't bother you. <laughs> we just did what we, you know, it didn't bother, come on now, y'all better be real in here. It didn't bother you. You didn't care about cussing somebody out. You didn't care about being promiscuous. You didn't care about lying. You had, it didn't bother you. Why? Because there was no nature change. The moment Christ enters in, now all of a sudden, you do something, you know you wrong, you hear him telling you do it, you still do it, and then you feel like a bucket of trash. Am I the only one? The reason why you feel that way, because there's a change in your nature, because salvation was authentic. It's authentic. That is the miracle of salvation that he gave us his DNA by giving us the seed of Christ. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we became one with Christ. And now our minds, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Holy Spirit can come upon us to deal with us as sons. He didn't even call Enoch. And the scriptures say he was pleased with Enoch. 
So you have the ignorant worship in which the Gentiles, they worshiped, but they, they didn't know who they worshiped. They had no idea. They had the they had the Torah. They had the five books from Moses, but they did not know God. Then you have the Jews that knew God, but they did not know God as a father. Turn me down a little bit. They did not know God as a father. Then you have spiritual worship. This is the worship that Jesus is introducing us to. Verse 23. Read 22 again. I'm going to start at 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming. When neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23. But an hour is coming and is now. Y'all see that? This is in the same conversation. So it turns out to be that that meeting at the well was to introduce a new type of worship. But what's crazy is he did not introduce the new type of worship to the Jews. He didn't introduce it to the Jews. He introduced it to somebody who was thirsty. He said, but an hour is coming and is now. It arrived like that. Then he says, when the true worshipers. Now, there's no need to add true to that unless there's some false stuff going on. Now, true by definition means this. True is. I got a slide for that. the definition of true true is that which has not only the name and resemblance but the real nature corresponding to the name in every respect corresponding to the idea signified by the name real true and genuine so the that's why i told you the old worship or the old testament worship it was not true Jesus added true to worship just like they added true to the vine. I am the true vine. I'm really connected to the father. (laughs) Pharisees wasn't. Sadducees wasn't. Scribes wasn't. Herod wasn't. He says, I'm true. I'm genuine. Not only do I have the name, but I have the resemblance. Not only do I have his name and look like him. But according to the definition, it says that which not only has not only the name and resemblance, but the real nature, the real nature, genuine nature. That's why I tell everybody you have to be born again. When it comes to being born again, you have to understand that that happens through the seed of Christ. Christ is the real nature. Christ is the gift of God. Then it says in every every respect corresponding to the idea signified by the name, real, 
true and genuine. This is the worship that Jesus is introducing to us. This ain't ignorant worship and it ain't intellectual. This ain't about us getting in front of God and telling God how great he is because God is now our father. He has relinquished his sovereignty to relate to us. He have given up his right to rule and dominate the planet with anything he want to do. Y'all know how that works. Soon as you have kids, your life over. You better say amen. Y'all know what I'm, y'all, come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. As soon as you get them kids, we love you. But the moment we have y'all, our life is, we can't do none of the stuff we want to do anymore. And I, and I can't say, watch this. I can't say that I'm a better father than God. That's the mindset I have. Once I have my children, now it is my responsibility to move in a way that I have to, in order to take care of them. I have to move in a way that makes them feel secure. I have to raise them. I have to nurture them. I'm trying to get y'all to see the relationship. He didn't sign up for this thing and say, okay, let me call all these people, tell them to gather on Sunday so they can tell me how great I am. It don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling him how great he is, but that's not the purpose of worship. Because when he called us out of darkness, for one, he knew we were in darkness. Darkness means we're ignorant to divine things. We're ignorant to his world. So he intentionally calls us to the forefront, not so we can tell him how wonderful he is, how kind he is. No, that ain't the reason why he did this. He did this so he could nurture us. He did this so he can take care of us in hope that we will respond and eventually get the predestined purpose that he called us to walk into. Worship is about us getting our destiny, just like grace. That's why we tell you that you, you're, not, you're not supposed to walk in grace. You're supposed to grow in grace. You walk by faith. You grow by grace. You don't use grace as a mechanism to, to say, I can just do what I want to do and get away with it. No, because when you do that, you immediately show you have no faith. Definition two, it is the opposite of what is fictitious. So you mean to tell me by default, when Jesus said that the true worshipers started to talk about true worshipers, he was saying, I'm not talking about that which is fictitious, counterfeit, imaginary, simulated, or pretend. Let's read this again. But an hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship God. Where y'all at? That ain't what it say. Why would he say father? Why would he say spirit? There's several things he could have said in place of saying father. He said the true worshipers, the true worshipers will worship the father. Now to worship is in the New Testament, by kneeling or 
prostrate to do homage to one or to make. I always mess this word up. Obeisance. Obeisance. Did I say it right? Which is differential respect, meaning the kneeling and the prostrate is out of respect. A differential respect, which means our, our purpose of coming before him in worship is to be obedient, to be courteous and to be dutiful. We're coming before him to be obedient. We're coming to him to be courteous and to be dutiful. We're coming to him to be obedient. Father, what is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to do this thing? We're coming to him to be courteous. We're coming to him to see what is my assignment? What is it that you would have me to do on this day? That's why I told you when you enter into the secret place, you can't walk out the secret place and do your own thing. You can't walk out the secret place and think your own thoughts. You can't go into the secret place with an attitude and come out with one. Y'all say, yes, I can. (laughs) You can't go into the secret place downtrodden and come out. The secret place is a place where we receive love. We absorb love. You can't worship him until you understand how much he loves you. Because one mess up, look, worship is important because we have missions, we have assignments, and on those missions and assignments, we're going to make mistakes. How many of y'all agree with that? We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to do everything right. And what ends up happening if you don't have a life of worship is that the moment you do something contrary to his word, you immediately fall into orphan. When you fall into orphan, it automatically lets you know, into the orphan spirit, it automatically lets you know that you have not been spending enough time with him. It automatically lets you know that you have not been worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Now, he said the true worshipers will worship the father. So the worship is in a relationship. That's why I tell you, our faith in Jesus Christ was to get us in the door. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So our faith in him was to get us to the Father. If we are to maintain our faith, it has to come from that relationship. It has to come from that relationship. Your faith has to be in, that's my Father. No, he's not going to kill me. (laughs) No, he don't want to see me broke. No, he didn't take my blessings away so I can suffer. What father wants to do that? That's why I tell you, I blame the church on most of the damage that is being done in households. Because the church has taught us the moment we make a mistake, he going to abandon us. The church has taught us that sin will separate us from our father. Which means the moment I sin, he turns his back on me because he don't want to have nothing else to do, 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 to me, uh, do with me. Which means what? As a man, when my kids don't do what I say, I automatically turn my back on them. 
Which means when my wife is not doing what I tell her to do, I automatically what? Turn my back on it. That's why the divorce rate is high. Because the church is teaching us that God doesn't have enough love. That during the trials and tribulations, the temptations, the things that we go through, he's going to abandon us. So we have no idea what agape looks like. We talk about agape. But it don't show up in the teaching. That's why I told you, he told me. I don't know what he told every other church, every other ministry, every other pastor, apostle, prophet. He told me every word that you preach from this pulpit, it needs to come across as if it's coming from my household. If the word does not come across like it is coming from his household, it is false. It would take you back into legalism. Y'all believe that? You better. So he said the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. Now, the purpose of true worship is to become like the one that you worship. Did I not say that? Okay. It's a shift from Old Testament to New Testament. Jesus said this. A slave does not remain in the house forever. But a son remains in the house forever. A slave does not remain in the house forever. That's why I teach you all pray like a child. Most of the time what happened to you is we get saved. This happened to me. Might not happen to y'all, but it happened to me. You've been blessed because he hadn't deal with no other ministries but this one. Most people, you got to wash them out. You got you to gotta, you gotta wash ministry out of people coming in here. That's why, look, we're not, even, we're not even two years old and people are growing. Forget the numbers and the seats. It's a lot of packed buildings and the people not growing. I told you, I get this all the time, people calling me. telling me they're not growing. Well, my answer to that is if you wanted to be a doctor and you were going to school to be a doctor and 10 years into going to school, you haven't learned nothing about being a doctor. It's either something wrong with you or the school or both of y'all. If you don't see <laughs> that the thing that you're supposed to be after, you are not obtaining it in a place. You are to abandon that and find the truth. The moment y'all stop growing here, leave. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but folks is scared to rebel against religion. Because pastors are telling them, if you leave my church, God ain't with you no more. Really? Huh. And watch this. The authenticity of this word is this. You seeing me and Dr. Hardy, we didn't come up with no, we, no parents supported us. 
My father pastor right in town. Y'all ain't even happy. None of y'all probably even met him. My father pastor in Forest Park and you ain't never seen him. <laughs> the authenticity of this word. No mother or father supported neither one of us. No ministry supported neither one of us. He put us out the ministry because had he not put us out, we're going to destroy it with the orphan spirit. Because no ministry we go, went to could remove the orphan. And if you can't remove the orphan, you definitely can't raise the child. Because until you remove the orphan, you can't talk about growth. So that's why he said, so the purpose of true worship is to identify the areas of change in a broken life. Meaning, if there is no change, then there is no need to worship. The reason I introduce you to the five stages of sonship so you can see that you need to grow and that you can see that that's available. The reason we introduce you to the orphan spirit so you can see your issues. You can see it in the way you think sometimes, can't you? Jesus asked the Samaritan woman a question so that she can see that she needed change. Go get your husband. I ain't got one. You right. You've had five. And the one you with now is not your husband. She said, you a prophet. <laughs> You could have knew about two. You could have known about two of those, but all five. And you know about the problem with now. You are a prophet. And the first thing she shifts to because she knows she has someone in her presence that hears because that's what a prophet is. A prophet is someone who hears from heaven and speaks. That's the most elementary definition. So she's saying that God told you that. So once she knew that God told her business, the next thing she said, okay, how are we going to do this worship thing? Then Jesus has to tell us, look, worship is about to change. It's not about to be about this fixed location. Worship ain't about a church service. Worship ain't about us coming in here playing music, you lifting your hands, and then you go home. Worship is supposed to be done in your secret place. When you come here, You should be full. And if you say you hear from him, you have to hear that invitation every morning. There's no way you don't hear that invitation every morning. If you don't hear that invitation, you don't hear from him. Can we agree to that? If you don't hear, see, I love some of the testimonies that come from this church because they're weird testimonies. Very weird. Show me talking about the father woke him up singing to him. That's weird. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Because how many Christians do you hear saying, I hear the father encouraging me. I hear him telling me, I love you. Regardless of that situation. Before we started this church, I'm in prayer. I'm wailing on my knees, crying, worshiping. And he flashes before me every prideful thing I've done in ministry. 
my heart, my heart is now in my socks. And he says to me, son, I'm not showing this to you because I'm going to destroy you. I'm showing this to you because of what you need to remove because of where I'm taking you. That's love. When he gave us this ministry, both of us have have had not been supported by family. I'm like, so I grew up with family that didn't support, didn't guide, didn't even care. When I got ready to go to college and play ball, you know what I was told? You don't have to do that. You can just get a job. Nobody even took me to the colleges. I had to go with one of my friends when his, when their parents took them. I ended up going to a college I didn't want to go to because nobody was interested in my future. On our wedding day, we and my wife get ready to get married. We call her mother. We went to the courthouse. We're getting married today. She knew about it. Meet us up there. I can't go. I got to clean my house. I'm giving you the mindset of two people he just told start a ministry. I said, Father, look. I'm not finna do this. So nobody can show up. <laughs> Cause that's all I've seen. I didn't see packed parties. We were never celebrated. But now I got a ministry and I got to start a ministry. He said, son, I would never let that happen to you. He said, I would never, I know what you've been through. I would never let that happen to you. Period. He said, you already paid the price for this ministry. You paid the price in the fact that if you look at your life, there's no way you're supposed to be here doing this. My mother told me this. She said, I'm so proud of you. She said, you know why? Because you didn't have a mother or a father. This my mother said that. She said, you didn't have a mother. But watch this. My mother was adopted. She found out that when she was 17. Took her into a tailspin. She was on cocaine for the next 25 years of my life. To this day, I'll, I'll tell Kirby, I'll tell my mother, full blood Haitian. But she never met neither one of her parents. To this day, all she has is her six kids. Can you imagine having a lot? You don't, you don't know your mother, your father, your cousins, your... Nobody. I understand why it's hard for people to move forward. But I tell y'all all, I tell y'all that it ain't a somber story. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. When he tells you to go forth and to do something, like he told me, he said, you already paid the price for this ministry. You've already sweated the tears. You've already kept going in spite of no matter what happened to you. You kept going. You paid the price. I'm not looking to impress pastors. I'm not looking to impress congregation members. I'm not looking to impress nobody. I paid the price to stand here. I fought through the head games. 
I fought through the stuff. That's why I'm telling you, you can do it. Trust me. It's a, it's a cakewalk. You just got to make up your mind. You just have to make up your mind that no matter what happens, I'm going forward. That's why I couldn't come to church if they were just preaching about God and Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I could not come to church if they were just teaching about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I need a father. I need to know that somebody on the, that he up there, he cares about me more than I care about myself. I need to know that the guidance is there in regardless of what I do in spite. I need to know. This is why he is trying to take us into true worship. The true worshipers will worship the father. The true worshipers, he didn't say, the, Jesus didn't say the true worshipers will worship me. If he hadn't said that, <laughs> then we'd be doing it the right way. We are not true worshipers. You cannot become a true worshiper till you first understand, fully understand that God is your father. You cannot pray appropriately till you first understand that God is my father. Jesus is telling us this because we are, because once the ransom is paid, once the propitiation is made, he has now made us joint heirs with him. So you, he's saying, why would you pray to someone who has the same inheritance as you? I mean, we just have no scripture proving that. Am I right? Do y'all, if y'all find it, tell me. Because I don't want to be wrong. He said the true worshipers will worship the Father. That's why I tell you guys. I give you guys the 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 uh, acronym trip. Y'all remember that? What it stand for? Teach, teach me. When you go before the Father and you get in worship, first thing you want to do is absorb that love. Absorb that love. If you need to, write down every scripture in the Bible that talks about how much he loves you. Read every scripture that talks about how much he loves you before you get into worship. After you find out, after you have done that and you have absorbed his love, because in the secret place, the presence has to be the love of the father. Once you have done that, the next thing you want to do is say, father, teach me. Teach me. Now, you can add a lot of stuff to that. Teach me. Then you want to ask him now, when you ask him to teach you, you're saying, I don't know. Then you ask him to remove things from you. When you ask him to do that, you're saying, I'm willing to change. I want to change. We all have pride. Satan gave it to us. Satan gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to us. The thing about Adam was Adam was born holy. And had to be corrupted. We're born corrupted and have to now become holy. Our father understands that. The church don't understand that. 
But our father understands that. We think the moment we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, get baptized, the next thing we're supposed to do is never sin again. Never miss it. Never make a mistake. But no, that's why the scriptures constantly tell us that as a father, look at every scripture that talks about the father. What you're going to find out, the commonality is every one of them is that it is always dealing with relationship. Jesus pushes this relationship off on, away from him onto the father. When he told them. He said in old time, it was saying an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, love your neighbors. <laughs> what is what is the difference? Why do they have a whole different set of rules and regulations than we have? So in the Old Testament, it was eye for eye. How many of y'all, that sounds fun sometimes. <laughs> it sound, I mean, come on, retaliation is, he said vengeance is his. So we get it from him. <laughs> retaliation sounds fun. But after Jesus did this whole conversation about us praying for those who use us, you don't want to pray for nobody that use you. That's hard, ain't it? Give to them that want and don't ask for nothing in return. He does, he does this whole shindig, has this whole conversation, and at the end he says, so you can be like your father who's in heaven. He didn't say so you can be like me. He pointed us directly to the father. That's why We have to come before him and ask him, teach, ask him to remove, ask him to impart, then praise. Praise is simply you acknowledging I'm like you. Praise is the answer to the I am. He said that you are the righteousness of God and you're agreeing with it. He said that you are an ambassador and you're agreeing with it. You're supposed to do that in private. So in public, you just walk in it. If you worship like this, it becomes a way of your life. And watch this. It becomes how you think. How many of y'all feel like you're at that place now where anytime you think about God, you think about him as your father? Y'all there? That's what it's for. Okay. You do it and do it and do it until it becomes a way of a way of life. It becomes first nature that when you when you get into any situation or circumstance, the first thing you're saying, Father, teach me. You go through conflict and you you know, we get we still get agitated, right? Even with Christ, even with the whole, we still get agitated, right? We still sometimes want beef, don't we? Come on, don't act like we new to this. We still want to fight sometimes. We still want to snatch somebody by the collar sometimes. We still want to tell somebody smooth off. We want to give them every piece of our mind. And that is that time you need to say, Father, remove that. <laughs> but if you're not having that conversation in private, you're not going to have it when you go through situations. It's not going to be a public thing if it's not first private. If you're not in your private life, Laying prostrate before him, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the scripture said he laid out before the Father and said, Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want this cup. 
I don't want this uh, uh, this cross. I don't want the crown of thorns. I don't want nobody putting no nails in my hand or my feet. I don't want the, the uh, what is it, the cat of nine tails. I don't want somebody beating my back until it looks like hamburger meat. I don't want that. But nevertheless, let your will be done. Watch this. That didn't happen all of a sudden. It was a practice there. It was a practice. It wasn't all of a sudden, you think you're going to get at your big moment? And all of a sudden now, you're going to have the, the humility and integrity of Jesus and where you can give your will up, first do it in a converse, in an argument. First, give your will in the small stuff. And then it'll work its way to the big things. Prophetically speaking, while putting this measure together, Abba said to ask him. He wants to prove it to us. Also, that he wants to expedite this ministry. He wants to move us light speed. He wants us to hurry up and get out there. Y'all believe that? He wants us to hurry up and get out there. He wants to hurry up and bless you. The stuff I'm giving you is strategic for getting the things you want. Worship will get you anything you want. My wife said to me, she said, you get anything you want from him, from God. From the father. I said, I sure do. You know why? Because I ain't, I don't have another plan. I don't have a plan B. If I stop doing this, I don't know what I do. I have no idea what I would do. You have to lose your plan B. If he has a predestined purpose for you, then your faith should be in that. You should be seeking that. You should be asking that. Am I right, Chad? It don't make no sense to ask for something other than what he wants for you when you know if he gave me the promise, then he's going to give me the provision. If he predestined me to do something, then surely he's going to provide for it. Because no child has to take care of themselves from the womb. All children have to be raised. This is why Jesus said, let me say this. This is why I told you guys, participate. Say it louder. Participate and you will grow. I'm not putting this stuff out here so you can go home and not do it. I told you, you're going to have to take a season out of your life and you're going to have to just dive into this thing for everything to shift over and change in your life. If you don't, you will have the same meaningless life. You will have the same dry life. And in the end, you're going to be extremely frustrated. I told you, participate and you will grow. But then the theme starting in year two, is be consumed. The Bible says our father is a consuming fire. 
if you are participating, eventually you will get to the place that you will be consumed. Because there's no way you can get close to fire and not get burned. There's no way you can get close to the father and not fall in love with him. And the love that he has for you does not fill you to the point where you give it away to people for free. There's no way. So what do we have to do? We have to take a season of our life and commit it to prayer. Turn off the TV. Forget everything else that's going on in your life. It doesn't matter. Because when you get the abundant life, everything else is pennies. And we'll jump over pennies. We'll jump over dollars to chase pennies. You won't show up to a prayer meeting because you got a... You fill in the blank. But then you'll call and say, pray for me. No. No. I'm not. If we had a prayer call and then we had prayer meetings and you don't show up to none of them, don't ask me to pray for you. I'm not. I hate to be like that. Am I wrong? If we have prayer call and then we have prayer meetings and you don't want to show up to none of that, I'm not praying for you. Because you need to learn how to pray for yourself. This is a personal relationship. Watch this. I'll pray with you. My prayers for you do no good. I hate to say it like that. I probably killed a lot of people ministry. <laughs> My prayers for you do no good. My prayers for you are no good if you're not praying for yourself. Now, if you are in a hole and you stuck and you're going through some things, yeah, we'll labor with you like that, but we're going to labor with you. If you want to come somewhere, okay, now we get that. But you alive kicking, you can speak, you can talk, but you won't. No help for that. That's what we talked about last week. That's what slowfulness is. Slowfulness is when you know what to do, but you won't do it. You know what to do, but you won't do it. You know what a podcast is, but you won't listen to it. And you wonder why Satan is tormenting your mind because ain't enough word there. All right. I love y'all too. So he told him, he said, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Okay? In spirit and in truth. Spirit deals with the relationship. It is how we relate to him as a child. You cannot become like him until you understand who you are in him. I was talking to a, a friend of mine and I was telling him about the spirit of Christ. And they said, no, we are not born again through the spirit of Christ. We are born again through the Holy Spirit. I said, well, that's impossible. It's impossible for you to be born again through the Holy Spirit when the Bible says that you are born again through the seed of Christ. The Holy Spirit cannot make you like Christ. (laughs) Plus, next week we're going to do the high priest prayer. The Bible said that Jesus, in order for him to be a faithful high priest, he had to be like us in every aspect. So which means that if the Holy Spirit in us saves us, then that's what made Jesus a son. 
Because the scripture says he had to be like us in all points. He can't have something that we don't have. When we worship in spirit, we are worshiping in the spirit of Christ. We are worshiping, understanding that we are sons of God. As a son of God, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and led him into the wilderness. This is the same thing that happens to us. And I'm going to show you that. Not today, but I'm going to show it to you. And I'm going to explain to you why it happens that way. But the thing about us not teach the church, not teaching the spirit of Christ and teaching the Holy Spirit instead is this. It never leads to sonship. It never leads to sonship. It never leads to dealing with the orphan spirit. You know why? Because it does not identify us as his children. You know why? Because those in the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit. It came upon them. It came upon Zacharias. Galatians 3 and 16 said that the seed that is in us is Christ. The Bible says we have been born again through a seed that is imperishable, that is not imperishable. No, we have been born again through a seed that is imperishable. And that seed is the living word of God. I'm going to say that again. The Bible says that we have been born again through a seed that is imperishable. And that seed is the living word of God. Is the Holy Spirit the living word of God? I need y'all to, I need y'all to. No, absolutely not. There's nowhere in scripture where the Bible says Holy Spirit is the seed. Plus, when you get saved, you move into the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we get saved, the Bible says we are seated with Christ. So in order for us to be seated with Christ, we have to have the same spirit as Christ. That's why in Christ you are a new creature, not in the Holy Spirit. And this is the reason why folks is flat. Because because you don't understand who you are in Christ, you're study worshiping God and you're not worshiping the Father. You're not doing it in spirit. You have to agree with the scriptures that you are just like Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. Imitate my son. Conform to his image. This is what it means to worship in spirit. This is how we relate to him as a child. And the only way you can worship him in truth is you have to understand the plan that happens before the foundation of the world. The definition of truth is the things that the father did through Christ. Look it up in the Greek. That's the literal definition of truth is the the plan that was executed by the father through Christ. You have to know that our father only wanted children. He did not want a world where he just had a bunch of people that talked about God. He wanted sons and daughters and he wanted us to have a kingdom. And the reason you don't see the kingdom because you don't see sons and daughters. Because we're not worshiping, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, which means that the worship that we're doing is not leading us to growth. It's just leading us to be religious. That's why I told you the gifts and callings, they come without repentance. The Holy Spirit is going to always be available for people because ministry is needed. 
But if you are going to be an authentic son of God, you're going to worship in spirit and you're going to worship in truth. You're going to agree that you are one with him. You're going to agree that you are one with Christ. And when you go before the father, you're going to have a thought process that says this. I know the plans you have for me. <laughs> now, he said that to a slave, right, Kena? He said that to a slave. I know the plans I have for you. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts to do you good. You have an expected end. I know the end of a thing before the beginning of a thing. So when I created Christopher Walls, what I did was I created I, I, I created his end. Then his mother gave birth to him. And now you're supposed to seek him to get to the end. It's like he literally wrote a book and said, if you seek me, you will find this book. And in this book is all these chapters, every chapter is leading you to what ultimately you wanted me to want me to do. That's why I tell you the story of my parents, but I'm not mad at them. I know the work of Satan. I know the work of Satan. I'm not mad at him. This is, but like I told you, I'm not big on titles. You feel me, Q? I'm not big on titles. But the only reason I let people call me apostle is because I feel like every time it's said, it's spitting in Satan's face. That's the only reason I let people call me. If it wasn't for that, I'd be like, stop. No, don't. I'm just McKinley. But every time somebody say it's a, it's, it's literally spitting in Satan's face. You know why? Because that was the whole purpose of him trying to take out my mother, trying to take out my father, is so he can stop me from doing what the father predestined me to do. It ain't my, fa- it ain't, it ain't your family fault. It ain't your mother fault. It ain't your father fault. It ain't none of their fault. It's Adam's fault because he listened to Eve, but ultimately it's Satan's fault. can't get mad at that but that was his agenda his agenda was take that brother out before he grab a mic I'm going to tell y'all some stuff once we get off air I'm going to fill you in on some stuff I'm telling you we had it was a war to get here it was a war I'm going to tell you in a second So truth deals with his highest, his truest intentions as a father. That's why this ministry is what it is, because we reveal the truest intentions of God as a father. We don't want to reveal him as as God. Everybody doing that. All right. But an hour is coming. Read the scripture again. But an hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. Now. Mm. Now, this is Jesus talking, right? What that last part say? He didn't disappear. What we do this at? It says, but an hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. Watch this. Watch this. For such Are we in a number? What's going on? Okay. Watch this. For such people. Y- 
Y'all help me. I can't read. For such people, the father, so, so the father is seeking this. This ain't just a message. This is what the father is seeking. This is his desire. This is his heartbeat. Jesus said the father is seeking this. This is his desire all the way from eternity. He's seeking this. This ain't just another message. I am telling you his will. You want to know what his will is? He wants true worshipers. He wants those who worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants those who worship him as his children, understanding his plan. He wants those who understand that when you come to me, you have my name, you have my resemblance and my nature. The father is seeking such. Not McKinley, not Divine Generation Church. The father is seeking such. He's not seeking worship. He's seeking true worship. He's seeking, he wants somebody, he, watch this, somebody approached me like Jesus did. Somebody approached me as a child. Somebody, please. Everybody can, God help me. God, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. God, I don't know what we'll do without you. No, 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 no. Talk to me, child. Don't you wish your kids would come to you like religious folks do it? Don't you wish your kids would honor you like that? Don't you wish that, Chris? Daddy, just, I thank you for these shoes. I don't know what I would do without these shoes. Don't you... Don't you wish that? I wish my kids that, man. I bought you boy $200 pair of shoes there in the garage. Everybody's stepping on them. Javon, get the shoes out of the garage. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry or nothing. Because he knows his role. He knows who he is to me. Verse 24. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must. Must. Ain't no other way to do it. If you don't understand who you are in Christ, There'll be no worship. It'll be you talking to God. You running your mouth. There won't be no worship. If you don't understand truth, there won't be no worship. You'll worship, but you'll do it like David. And David was a man after God's own heart. But he was not the apple of his eye. God is a spirit. So what does that mean? His children are spirits. His children are spirits. His world is spiritual. His agenda is spiritual. So those who worship him must do it in sonship. You have to do it in sonship. You have to do it in sonship. You have to do it as a son. You have to do it as a daughter. You cannot do it as just a church member. 
When you come to him, it don't matter that you go to Divine Generation Church. It don't matter what church you go to. He, the devil don't care about that. In the wilderness, he wasn't like, if you go to Divine Generation Church, turn this bread, turn the stone to bread. He didn't say if you are if you are a prophet, if you are an apostle, if you can preach, teach, turn the stone to bread. He said if you be the son of God. That's the only agenda Satan after. He's after your thought process. He do not want you to think you a child. Because watch this. The Bible says when he brought the firstborn before the angels, the angels had to worship him. And if we fall in the same category as him, then they know they have to do what? Worship us. The Bible says his angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. If you don't know who you are, the angels can't even recognize it. So, as a community of believers, this is something we're going to have to intentionally practice. You should be doing this before you get here. You should not get here and then all of a sudden now you want to pray. Really? You should come in here on fire. You should have been praying in tongues all the way here. You should have been up at 6 o'clock this morning praying in tongues because you knew when you came here today that it was work that needed to be done. You didn't know what needed to be done, but you wanted to be ready. You should do this tomorrow morning because you don't know what the day going to hold. You have no idea what's going to go on. So you should be praying in spirit and in truth. You should be worshiping him. You should be on your knees in a secret place. Am I yelling? I'm sorry. I know. I'm just, y'all got to forgive me. I've been watching Martin all week. <laughs> so we have to intentionally, we're going to intentionally have these worship sessions. Well, we're just going to come and practice worship. You need to see the effectiveness of it. You don't need to hear me say something and then you don't go practice. If you don't practice, it won't work. We have to give the father what he's seeking. If he says that we must do this, there ain't no other way around it. There ain't no other way around your growth. Ain't no other way around your blessing. So stop saying you blessing if you ain't in a secret. Stop saying you blessed if you ain't in a secret place. Worshiping. You blessed him, but it's you blessed, but it's 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 meager compared to what he really wants to do. Amen.